On this episode of Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered, we talk about M&A, how to acquire real estate brokerages, the timing of it couldn't be better. We get very tactile on the process. Get an incredible show, tune in. You talk about it privately, we talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Wiggins, along with my co-host, Keith Robinson, aka Crazy Uncle Keith. Yes, sir. Tell us about Victor Lund, CEO of Wave Group, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Talk to us about what we are going to go through. Yes, and published author as well. Oh, yes, which he, is one of the whole things about the subject of our pod. Yes, so. he wrote a book on M&A, which is awesome. We'll put a link in the show notes uh, so that you can go order it, and you should. It's a great step-by-step -step process for how to do M&A really demystifies what we think is this incredibly complex process, but it's actually quite straightforward. Mm -hmm. uh, we really peel back the onion and dig deep on M&A about the approach, about how to approach folks, how to value companies, pitfalls to avoid. Uh, he is a wealth of knowledge on mergers the timing and Timing of it is perfect right perfect. now. Perfect, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great conversation around M&A. It's gonna be an incredible show, let's go. Victor, welcome to the show. We are super excited to yes. have you here. Two that's, arms up. That's Let's probably go. the most excited anybody's ever been at the open. That's well, hey, you know, if you get an opportunity but, to hang out here with James Dwiggins and Keith Robinson, I mean, you have to like bring it. <laughs> Victor said we need to change the show to have cocktails, by the way, at like four yes. in the afternoon. That, so that, that was I'm part of the original. Though, like, this would uh, be like a late afternoon cocktail mode thing. It'd be a lot yeah. funnier. <laughs> well, I said to Victor when he brought it up, I was like, if we do that, see, Keith and I already act like we have been drinking all right. day. And so right. if we did have a cocktail at four, this show would be very weird. So maybe we should do it unplugged. just to see what happens. Yeah, you know? unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> Unfiltered to unplugged. Yes. That's a good way to do it. To uh, unemployed. That, that's how that would go. So uh, for those of you that don't know, we'll have Victor give a little bit of a quick background. Um, he has been in this industry a very long time. I'll let you give your intro. CEO of Wave Group and RE Technology, and you're also in charge of the Broker Public Portal. So yes. just give listeners and viewers just a little quick tidbit, your background, what you do. I know you're very influential. You talk to everybody. A little bit about sort of your role. And um, well, we, we pass each other in the hallways at like every real estate event. So... Yeah, it's um, weird. Uh, you know, I, I, when venture capital kind of petered out uh, around 2000, I started working as a consultant with companies and uh, started to fall into real estate and real estate's like Hotel California. Like, you know, once <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can check out, but you can never leave. So <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> uh, we, uh, I started out doing vendor selection for MLSs, like comparing the different vendor products. And then we got really deep into strategic planning for those MLSs. And through that process, we started hanging out with a lot of brokers saying, what do you want from your MLS? <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, so it ended up like, we're consulting with brokers and franchises about their technology platform, MLSs, and uh, the technology vendors that serve them. So we kind of sit in the middle of that hub and we do all kinds of goofy stuff. So you get to see all sorts of sides of the business, basically. Like the, the deep- good, the bad, and the better. And the better, and the better. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the new Clint Eastwood Western coming out. Exactly. Yeah. The good, the better. Bring your guns. It's yeah. 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 <laughs> and we're going to dive into this. You just recently wrote a book called Acquiring More Profit. We'll come yes. back to that, which is something we want to dive deep into because I think the conversation is incredibly relevant for mm -hmm. time and space today. Um, we have a tradition. We always 
start with our, our three rapid fire questions, uh, which is just kind of a fun way for people to get to know you, not to put okay. you on the spot here. But, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'll start with the first one. Keith can come in with number two. And, and this is it's just supposed to be kind of like how your how your brain thinks and where you would go, which, by the way, I was watching Ant-Man on the plane last night, like strangest <laughs> freaking movie ever. Um, if you were a superhero, yeah. yeah, who would it be and why? So I wasn't a I wasn't a comic book kid. I was more the kid on the bike or playing in the snow or playing in the lake. I grew up in Minnesota, okay. uh, but I guess I'd have to go with the number one superhero ever, like Superman. I mean, he was faster, stronger. He could fly, but he was also like a pretty cool Clark Kent. You know, had a lot of humility and had a love interest. You know, I think he would have been a good dad. I, I I'm going to go with way to put it. Go with Superman. Yeah, that's a good one. We, that's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> that's our first Superman. That was. Oh, We've had people go. pick everything but. So yeah, we, we had, had a couple plastic, people. We had a plastic man before we had a Superman. That's an. I didn't even know that was a thing. So. I actually yeah, didn't either. Yeah, we yeah. were in the. Yeah. In the, we were way back in the racks of yeah. superherodom. Batman right, was a close second because he had a dope car. Yeah, and like a cave, right? Yeah, Full exactly. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is not actually our second question, but hot dog sandwich or not? Just kidding. That's not our question. Uh, <laughs> favorite. <laughs> yeah. Favorite. We have uh, Rochester White Hots recently. So Ooh, I, I don't even know what that is. Hot, if you haven't had it, I'm gonna. We'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> Keith will find ways to bring food into the conversation always. Just so you know. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite Booker podcast this year and why? Ah, oh, geez. Can I can I cheat and go with a poem? Yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. I just yeah. had this cool thing. Um, you know, I, I think James, you know Monica. You've you've met Monica, who works on our team, but. Um, yeah. We just had this, you know, weird ironic conversation where we were. I was um, telling her about Robert Frost's poem, "The Road Not Taken," and it's a really cool poem. You know, it's a guy. Everybody's read it. You read it in ninth grade. Like when I went away to boarding school, it was like my first intro to port uh, to um, to poetry. And you know, I just remember that like that moment of which way you're gonna go. And I feel like my whole life's been designed by which way you're gonna go. So. <laughs> Uh, and is. relevant to today like yeah. how do you choose so, what yeah. path you want to take right yeah um, take. interesting interesting yeah. that's cool take we may one have to throw travel. that one in there yeah. Yeah. yeah all right well this is a fun one we like to wrap with um if you could have lunch with one person current or historical who would it be and why uh, definitely my dad he died in 2001 but he started london boat company he was a great dad um he really, you know, he bounced my daughter on his knee when he was a child. But, you know, I would just love to celebrate all the things that Marilyn and I have done to build our businesses. And, you know, I just wish I had him around uh, through that whole period of time. I just like to catch him up um, yeah. on everything, yeah. our personal life, our kid and, you know, work. It's like he would he would dig it all and, and be great. It's a good one. I think yeah. we can all relate to that in some mm -hmm. way, shape or form. Yeah, shout out to Howard Lund. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Well, all right. Well, let's dive into um, uh, this book that you guys just wrote. And you're co-author. Um, and yes. you co-wrote this with, I forget his George name. George Slusser. Okay. Yes. I met him the other night. Apologize. So um, what was the catalyst for going down this road of writing this book and you know acquiring more profit? Tell us about it and what prompted it and how long it took you to write it and, and all of that. So, so the, George wrote a book 14 years ago called Acquiring Profit. And he did that, um, he kind of built that book to teach people how to sell their companies uh -huh. to 
hit the firm he was working for, which is his realogy now called anywhere. He did 600 transactions, 700 transactions, something like that. So all the company owned stores, um, you know, he was involved in a lot of those in that entire roll up. And before that, you know, he did roll ups for Prudential and Merrill. So he's not a young man. Uh, he's a very seasoned executive. And um, I read the book and I'm, I just remarked to him, this book, George, is as true today as it was when you wrote it 14 years ago. So let's let's brush it out and uh, make it dance ready and put it back on the dance floor. And we did. You know, there's what what a lot of people don't know about Wave Group is that we didn't do much in M and A. Uh, our job was to work with the companies that were coming together and get everything ready for day one. And got it thereafter. So getting all the communication set, getting all the technology set, like allowing these agents to go from announcement to productivity the same day. Which is a huge part that I think we'll, we'll dive into this, but people yeah. don't realize it's like sure, there's yeah. putting the deal together, but then there's the other part of like, how do you not screw and blow the whole thing up? Yeah. Having stuff leak out, et cetera. Um, yeah. yeah. Or what do you do when it does? Cause yeah, a lot of yeah. it, it happens. Yeah. It happens. I mean, yeah. and I want to, I want to dive into that because a lot of people are, yeah. you know, are talking about, um, you know, M and a right now, obviously with the real estate market being what it is. Um, so, you know, you mentioned in your book that you think M&A is sort of the best strategy um, to grow your business is some, some of the sort of the, the approach of it. So give some background on that. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, every company has been a recruiting company. But when you look at the number of merger transactions that have happened on a year to year basis, you know, it's a it's a fairly discreet group of companies that have understood how to grow their business that way. It's the top uh, players. Compass, others that have been involved in doing it, right? Everybody's yeah. winning. Yeah. You, know? yeah. Right. you mentioned yeah. Rick Haas, you know, he, yeah. United is. Yeah, United, right. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of the mergers and acquisitions today are, you know, what I call tuck ins. So, you know, you guys have a lot of offices. Uh, you look at the PL on an office by office basis, uh, probably every week or every couple of weeks because wow. you really need to stay in touch with it this uh, right now. Um, you know, my business partner, Mark McLaughlin, like he gets a Friday report and he's had that Friday report going forever. And that, you know, that's always super important. So, you know, if you know, like whether you, you know, it's, it's usually, it's always dollar volume with a brokerage, mm -hmm. um, but you know exactly what the dollar volume is for that office to break even. Um, you can translate that into the number of trades or whatever, but you know, there's so many products out there like, you know, uh, broker metrics that allow you to look at the volume uh, for every office in your market. So if you know that to break even on your office is this number, you know that that number is really close to everybody else. Sure. Right. So if all those people that are under you, <laughs> they're dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So if they're yeah. lower than you and, you know, and you're not profitable or you're just barely breaking even, like the, all of those people are looking for an out. Nobody likes to write checks back into their business. So we're just seeing a ton of those fold-ins, roll-ins and things like that right now. Well, can we... Let's dive into this because I think it's super, I, I think people don't understand that this isn't, I mean, it's complex, but it's not as much as people think, you know, there's so many offices that to your point, you know, their cash flow is tight. <laughs> They're three to six months away from bankruptcy. It's actually most real estate brokerages, but, um, you know, approaching them and having the conversation, I guess, let's start there. How do you, how do you go and start finding 
companies to target? Like, you, do you say, let's talk about acquiring your business or what, how do you, what's the approach and angle on Usually having these the discussions? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but that's, but let's get tactile here. Like, yeah. what yeah, is it I that, the, how do you approach the opener it? is really like, you know, can, can we get, you know, get lunch or coffee or cocktail and talk about the industry a little bit? You know, you're, you're a good broker. I respect you. Um, we do co-brokes together and, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, I'll your share book. what I got your with book. you and you share what you got with me and, you know, you build a relationship. And I think that's one of the things that the industry has strayed from quite a bit mm. is that back in the day, you know, and this is well before all of our times, like, you know, folks would get together at the association office and they literally had pieces of paper with their listings right. on them. Right. right. But you knew those people and that. like you helped with those people, yeah. you know, like yeah. they were your brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. you know? So you would, are you, would, would you characterize it as it used to be more collaborative and it isn't as collaborative today? Yeah. I mean, we have a system of collaboration, right? Uh, sure. It's called the MLS, but right. um, some people, uh, you know, they, they really look at their competitors as nasty people. You know, mm -hmm. I've seen this cultural stuff, you know, and, and it's really interesting with brands. I, I, you actually, I don't know how you ducked out of this, James, but, um, you know, like right now I would say, you know, a lot of people are like EXP is evil. They're not evil. <laughs> you know, it was Keller Williams before that. It was sure. Remax before that. Well, usually that's someone who's that. winning at some level, right? Like yeah, whatever, yeah. You, know, right. yeah. Snap, you know, with their hundred percent sure. commission thing. Like whenever somebody comes out with a business model or a, a mentality about real estate that affronts the, the, the status quo and, you know, and it, it starts to impact agent movement, then people, you know, tend to not like them, but that's not well, the way you should, you know, you shouldn't do that. You should yeah, say, do your thing. I'll do my thing. May yeah. the best one win. There's right. jumping. No, I want, yeah. I want everyone to have success. I just want to be more successful than everybody else. Right. <laughs> I just want to do one more. It's such a yeah. great comment because there's plenty of room in the space. The people that aren't good at it, they end up leaving anyway. And yeah. you know, we're all, we're all fighting for the almighty dollar on it, but you can do it in a way that's not tearing each other down. It's funny because you make that comment, Victor, because a lot of times people will ask, you know, we're in the franchise space and um, they're like, you know, why don't you ask, get, get our opinions on, on, on companies before you talk about bringing them in. Like, first of all, there's confidentiality laws, which we can't break. But number two is I'm pretty sure everybody has something negative to say about every realtor in the business at this point. So like, you know, it's somebody's had some situation somewhere at some point in time where they're like, Oh God, they're awful until they actually work inside your brokerage and then they're great. So I think they call uh, that stinking thinking, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, if that's your disposition, you're probably not going to be great. Uh, you you might be good or you might make a living, but if you, uh, you know, it's funny, I guarantee you, like if you're in the industry long enough, everybody who is a competitor is going to be on your team eventually. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. 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 <laughs> do you, do you think that there's a, do you think there's an approach? I'm mean, not Keith. I'm going to let you talk in a second. No, go ahead. Promise, your thing. So no, just, yeah, my sure. brain is just focused on this. Do you think yeah. a brokerage should have a two part strategy recruiting agents, but also treating uh, M and a, and I'm using M&A instead of acquisitions, like instead mm -hmm. of that word, um, that that should be part of it too, that it's a contact sport, it's being repetitive, it's continuing to talk with them, it's being front and center. So it's a two-pronged approach for growth. Everything that you do to recruit, all the systems that you have for communicating, staying in touch, for congratulating people, for you know gathering with those people, all of the, every single thing is the same. Whether you're whether you're recruiting for a merger, recruiting a single agent, or recruiting a team, you you have to find 
a place of trust. And and is the number one thing you're looking at besides the PL, what's the what's the catalyst for what's the thing the broker should be thinking about in addition to the financial when talking to companies? Like what is the what is where have you seen deals make or break by not following some part of the process? It's always breakage, right? Um Define breakage just in case. Yes, everybody understands. When, you know, two owners agree to get married and the kids don't want to join. <laughs> so, yeah. What was that, what was that, that movie, you know? Kramer versus Kramer? It was yeah. the kids <laughs> yeah. parents. We're yeah. divorcing yeah. my parents. We're going yeah. to get yeah. other parents, yeah. you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, and it's interesting. Um, you know, it, you, when you do it right and, you know, a lot of people, there was Bess Friedman had this really cool um, statement that she made on stage uh, this week at RIS Media. She said, trust is built by stacking moments at a time. Hmm. And I thought that was a really cool thing. So, you know, building that trust with uh, with your future partner um, is, that's what's going to lead you to success. And, it's, well, and, and alignment like it's, too, right? Because... Yeah. I've done M and A deals that went pretty well. I've done some that were harder. Usually, it had to do with the 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 cultures and alignment of of the what's next, right? Sometimes people are selling to get out, and if what they want to do is run away from the problem, my personal experience is those were the more difficult transitions because they weren't. It's not that they didn't care about their people. They did. They were just more focused on themselves, right? And not as focused on this sort of elegant transition for their people. And whereas when maybe they were not quite all the way done, they were tired, but not worn out, uh, then they do want to hang around. They do want to participate. They do really see this as a sort of uh, addition by addition, not addition by subtraction. Yeah, I mean, um, if you're recruiting, though, Keith, like if you're doing a good job recruiting, you know a lot about the company anyway. You've talked to their agents. You've met with their agents. Mm -hmm. Agents from your store have gone to their store, from their store to your store. Mm -hmm. You know what they do. You know their tools. You know their commission splits. I mean, you know the whole thing, mm -hmm. uh, more or less, you know, fuzzy enough to, sure. to have a feel for it. Um, so, you know, you should be able to identify those people in your market just by experience. Um, it, you'll notice like there was a company and I'm not going to say their name because there's a lot of litigation about it. Now. Oh. They went and bought a truckload of companies over the last uh -huh. couple of years yeah. and then completely dunked. And I think that they bought those companies the wrong way, not because they mm. bought them the wrong way for financials, but because they didn't do that work to make sure that the people and the companies they were cultures aligned. aligned. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cultures yeah. alignment. That's key, right? So if you don't have a culture alignment, your breakage is higher. If the culture's aligned, the breakage is lower. And Keith, your point, I've heard this before, is having the broker. I'm gonna, I think I'm this is what I've heard through a couple of people. Never talk about an acquisition. It's merging companies because yeah. it, it sounds better, even though we all know what it is, but it just sounds better. There's a little bit less ego involved like when someone's not being bought out they're they're merging with it and then keeping them on helps stop some of that breakage is that your overall the assessment on that too if uh unless the person needs to go and it's like actually strategically they need to get out because they're yeah not fit. yeah but even uh, those, those deals tend to those be really aren't great deals. yeah right exactly. um, yeah. the uh yeah i mean first of all real estate agents don't want to think that this guy they work for this gal they work for just got a huge check and is leaving like right. you're just you you just took my commission money with you. Yeah. They want to know that that person, that leader, that the one that they trust and came to work with is going to be hanging around 
and is going to, you know, you have to maintain that trust, you know, because they chose the leader to work with to begin with anyway. For right? sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, um, so I think everybody respects the transcendence of an executive in their life and a business owner like that's that should always be respected. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think when, you know, I've, there was like a tremendous amount of pride at Pacific Union when they were fending off Compass in the Bay Area and in, <laughs> LA, in LA, they were mm -hmm. uh, doing a remarkable job. Um, Compass couldn't get any traction, but through converse, you know, through abrasion led to conversations and Robert and Mark realized that they weren't as far apart as they thought, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, through those. And now Mark's there. Yeah. Mark's well, there again. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, yeah. To I mean, some degree. Yeah. 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 There was, there was two weeks a month he's there, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, and because, it, because he loves people mm -hmm. and Robert loves people. Right. So the one thing that they were always aligned on was it's, this is a people business and whether they're your real estate agents or teams or your office managers or staff, we're in the people business. And once they figured that out, um, their business model was already the same um, with the exception of the, the whole paying agents to, an advance against commissions, <laughs> but um, you know, I was going to dunk on that, but I'm going to leave that alone for a second. But in the transition, usually, right, the agent, the the first reaction is, "What does this mean for me?" Right, that, yeah. that's a very natural human reaction. But in my experience, the absolute next reaction is they look to the leader who they've loved, adored, and trusted with their business and say, "Is this good for you?" And if it means for them something that not much changes, right? Like don't change everything your first day, <laughs> leave everything the same, yeah. uh, right? And so if not much changes for them and the leader that they've known and trusted and loved is sees this as the next logical step in their career and they're really happy, magically, most of the time they go right back to selling houses. Like it's, you're, I'm good, okay, cool. And you're good, oh, great, let's let's march forward. I mean, you wanna, we, we were talking about, you know, offices losing money because we're in that environment today. Sure. And, um, you know, I don't think that there's any reasonable real estate agent that would like to just sit there on a sinking ship <laughs> right. When right. the owner says, but most hey, of them don't, most of them don't know the owner's losing money. Right. Uh, that, that's not normally something they shout at the sales meeting. Like, Hey guys, don't understand the word brokerage. The first part of that is broke. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, I, you, you may be right, Keith. I, I think you're, you know, sophisticated top producing agents that have been in the business a while. They can, they can do the math. Sure. They, yeah. They can do they, the math. They probably have done a few commercial deals. They know what leases are in the area. Mm -hmm. They, they mm -hmm. know what the cost of operating that office is, uh, along with the other fees. They're, they're usually not that dumb. And those are the people that matter the most, right? It's the 80-20. The they're that, doing the business. They're yeah. doing the business and they're very much a partner with their broker. And if they can say, hey, this is going to give us the capitalization and the strength as a firm to you know, combine market share and be a more powerful instrument for providing services to clients. And you're going to make more money um, doing more trades. So... Yeah. Is this the is this the best time for M&A in the last 15 years? Uh, as a buyer, absolutely. Yeah, as someone who wants to go out and and merge and grow their company, is this the best time since For sure. The great recession. Yeah. yeah uh, agreed. Every 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 industry in the history of <clears throat> capitalism, <laughs> the ones that have been most aggressive 
growth, you know, like really acquiring other companies during a recessions are the ones that come out of it. Like slingshot it. Yeah. 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 Can I, what? Oh, go ahead, James. No, please go, Keith. Go, go. Why don't more, why don't more people do it? What is it that they don't understand the approach? Is it access to capital? Is it, what's the, because let's be in Europe. This is a, what percentage, if there were a hundred brokers in a city, uh, what percentage would you say out of a hundred are doing M and a in earnest, consistently, persistently working this side of the business? So top three to five. Yeah. Maybe top three to five out of a hundred. So three to 5% max. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's 108,000 real estate brokers in America today, a phenomenal number. Yeah. Um, you know, you can pretty much look at the real trends, top 500 and pick out everybody who's done an M and a transaction. So why don't more people do it? Why isn't that percentage 10 or 15%? Well, that's why we wrote the book. I mean, yeah, yeah. Honestly, like it, it's not magic. Um, it's a fairly straightforward business process. You know, there's, can you go deep on that then? Like what, yeah, how, so Keith asked the question, how do you get the capital? What's the approach? Let's, I want to dive into multiple as I want to make sure we get some of this tactical stuff out. So like, how do you approach it? Give yeah, us where I mean, you start. Sort of three phases, you know, there's the, the dating phase and then you get a, that NDA is really important. You really have to agree to confidentiality. Um, if it gets out that your broker is thinking about selling. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Those agents are going to leave. Mm-hmm. So you really, really, you have to be super quiet about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's phase one. The second phase is the valuation phase. So uh wave group and another company, um, Steve Murray, he's uh, also, yeah. uh, we're the, we're the two entities that brokerages use to get valuations done on their business. So, you know, the way you structure the financials of a company is uh, typically thematic to its, you know, to tax situations and things. Um, you know, you can, uh, as a business owner, you can, you can choose to have a, a, like a company car, right? Well, I don't know that the, the buyer of your business wants you to have a company car, right? <laughs> you, know, like, yeah. you have to, we call it adjusted EBITDA. So yeah. you know, we, we adjust the financials to take out any of the reasonable expenses tied to a business, which the new owner would not find reasonable. Okay. So you have to adjust it all out. You yeah. Know, all of us that There's are business give owners, and take right? basically on yeah, both yeah, sides. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you have to just get the finances to align with the way in which they, they monitor office reporting and, how, and expenses and line them up, take out all the other stuff and then look at the P and L that way. So, and, and it goes both ways, right? Cause if the owner's oh, yeah. stepping away, that salary being deducted also is no longer an expense that the new buyer would have. So you're adjusting that as well. Correct. So well, if it's I'm usually the opposite, to be honest with you, the, okay. uh, the owner typically doesn't pay themselves what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like and social security and all those other things. Yeah. So good point. You may pay yeah. yourself $42,000 a year, whatever the, the limit is for your position in your state. Um, but you know, I don't think you could hire uh, an office leader for $42,000 a year. So right. you actually have to adjust that up. Got know? it. Got it. Got it. If it's yeah. a $95,000 job in your market, then you actually have to put in 95. Interesting. Yeah. So getting somebody to go through this, 
Mm-hmm. You guys, as an example, help you set everything up. Yep. And then, and what does that run typically for evaluation of an average valuation of a business? Just uh, curious. Yeah, if it's a you know if it's a single office, not a huge company, um, you know, probably and their books are you know in reasonably formatted, like not on a piece <laughs> of paper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not in a shoebox. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, if there's if they're pretty well organized, then you know, I. I on the low end, it's probably $2,500 on the high end, $3,800. But okay. for multi-office brokerages, you know, that it goes up from there. Yeah, so you I get guess. evaluation done. You would yeah. obviously help. You're, there's, you're essentially setting them up. And if there's problems in that, you're helping them fix those issues to make their business more presentable. Is that like part of the... Yeah, I mean, we too? do all of these carve-outs. Right. And I think yeah. that each of them are discussion points for the two parties to review and agree to or not agree to. Okay. There's Capital. other stuff too, you know, sometimes there's real estate involved, leases, sure. you know, right. a building. what does it mean when you turn over the keys? You know, right. it's, there's, it's an ongoing concern. What are the contracts that they're still obligated to? There's, there's a lot of variety. Right. That's, that's where it gets really interesting in the negotiation part. And, you know, we can help with that, but it, it, it it's helpful when the two, you know, the buyer and seller work on that stuff together, but getting to that point of reasonableness you know, a lot of people get the valuation done and they look at it and they're like, geez, you know, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I had something bigger here. Well, like, but, the, uh, but you may have had at some point. What is right. the, what is right now? Cause this obviously adjusted, you know, you're using a multiple of EBITDA typically in these valuations. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's a couple of approaches, but I hear that's the most common. Am I correct with that statement? No. Yes. Yeah. I, that's probably the worst way to look at it. Honestly. Okay. Tell me what the right way to look at it is then. Yeah. But just the, like, what is, what is the value of the business moving forward? What are the synergies? And and I think you have to, you know, the, the seller has to get realistic about, you know, 2022 and 2021, you know, like yeah, those yeah, are congratulations. Yeah. Uh, you and everybody else was 45% above market in 2019. Yeah. You know? Um, so you, you almost need to take those two years out and go back to 2019. And if you look at a company's growth or decline without those two years embellishing the data, then I think you have a better perspective on it. But, you know, ultimately these deals today, as I said, a lot of these deals that are happening, the brokers are losing money and, you know, there's, there's a lot, we have a lot of discussions about, you know, what happened if they took loans from the government during COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, PPP, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, again, at RIS Media, I think you heard about a trade that um, one of our consultants recently did where the seller brought a check to the closing. Right. Right. You know? They wrote a check to get out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, you yeah. know, it just all the deals are very different. But it, if it's a the, the highest, uh, I'm going to answer the question. So the highest uh, multiple I've ever seen is 12 realistically today, maybe, you know, if it's a profitable company, three is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, maybe six or seven. Right. 12 is, um, 12 is out of this world. So yeah. if framing this up for the viewers and listeners is, you know, get realistic about the value of your business. I'm taking from this also that there's a way to set your business up now planning. Like to me, I'd look at it like, well, let's get evaluation and, and an assessment on what I can do to get my business to look more valuable. What are the things that we could be doing to make, you know, set things up a little bit cleaner. But I I think this is a point Keith was getting at was you could spend six months. What is a typical M&A deal? Six months, a year, 
Is that about three it, three months to to a year? Okay, yeah. so let's just three go middle forever. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, just I say mean, six. Again, yeah, I get it, but let's just do six months. You can sure. spend six months recruiting twelve agents, or you could buy one business and do the same thing. You know, so there's well, if there's, you buy one business, you're probably getting twenty agents. Well, but I, well, that's where I was going <laughs> to go next. Was, <laughs> but yeah. don't you yeah. don't you yeah. think there's a lot of opportunity? So this is actually I was I was I was framing that, Victor. I apologize. I was leading you for a second. Yeah. So isn't there probably a lot more, or there are a lot of opportunity with a lot of small independents right yes. now? So that everyone's looking at the fifty agent office, but I'm I'm almost like, is there a lot of room in the ten person office? Quicker deals, a lot less money, success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you find in all of those uh, smaller offices is that the the principal is still out there selling. They've got a strong book of business. Yep. And what's remarkable is that the minute that they don't have all of the responsibility for recruiting and marketing and technology and you know deal doctoring for agents, you know what they do? They go out there. They sell and <laughs> yeah. they their their business explodes they make more money than they've ever made uh in you know since they started their brokerage <laughs> like, right and then they're like wow yeah i wish i would have done this sooner and those people actually become the best advocates mm -hmm. so when we talk about um you know that dating phase where you're you know building rapport with potential new partners having somebody like that uh, on your team and just mm -hmm. uh you know, talking about the benefits. There's a guy named Byron Grant. Uh, he lives in San Luis Obispo County, where you you spend some time. I just you said that name, and I was like, I know that. Name. I know that. <laughs> Byron sells. He sells his uh, ranch ranch and ag. That doesn't right. mean that he doesn't also sell single family home and all this other stuff. He sells everything, but you know, he's the guy in our county that sells ranch and ag, and he was running a great business called South County Realty in my home of Arroyo Grande, and he he merged with uh, a century 21 office there and very quickly became the top real estate agent or, you mm -hmm. know, like one of the top real estate agents in our entire County. And, and his life improved. Like he was like, <laughs> I don't have to deal with that crap anymore. Yeah. So you know, those guys like Byron actually was a great advocate for century 21 hometown realty going out with the owners saying, Hey, don't look at this as a bad thing. Look at this as a great opportunity for you to turn losses into wins. Yeah, Not only ends for you personally, but you know financially. It's funny so when agents. Sorry, Keith. Go ahead. Go that's ahead. right. So let's say someone's listening and they got religion and they're like, "Yeah, Victor's a genius. I've already ordered his book. I'm ready to start M and A." It seemed in your book you talked about this a bit. There's some tension between setting up a capital source and finding a deal, right? It's sort of you need both. Uh, how should, do you think someone should approach this? Should they go find a capital source first and then go deal hunting or should they go find the right deal knowing that the capital will be there if, if the deal makes sense? I would follow the get religion part first. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things that we do with the book is we'd like explain all of this stuff, but there's a, there's a thing called a workbook. And mm -hmm. I would always buy the digital version of the workbook because they're actually the, the, we provide the Excel spreadsheets and the word documents and everything else that our consultants use to do the valuation process, do it on yourself, hmm. teach your managers how to do it so they can sort of pencil these potential opportunities, just knowing what they know just through the data elements that are available through the MLS about who the right people may be and, you know, do that. And sort of before you get too far afield of whether you want to be a buyer or seller in today's market, um, 
I, I think that's where you start because you know if you if you look at it and and you're like this doesn't work then it's different but you know depending on um depending on what type of business you are and uh you know so when you say type you're talking c corp what llc brand, what brand oh, franchise okay, you, are, okay. you know right. um some franchises offer uh development money mm-hmm. for acquisitions they'll mm-hmm. they'll front some uh the, but uh, whatever capital you know, depends yeah. on who you are you know yeah. remax yeah. guy was like the remax people they they like to go out there and hunt for their people mm-hmm. so they'll go out and hunt for offices that might want to become remax and then they align they set them up with one of their mm-hmm. their folks so it just depends on who you are you know yeah can we sense. i want to get this one question in before we wrap up um mm-hmm. what does a deal structure look like i mean what i'm referring to is it 25 percent down 50 percent down financed like explain that structure so people as i think people think i gotta write a check for a million dollars which no, right so get let's get yeah. really specific here and we'll, we'll end it on this question and the key's got one final to wrap with mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's uh there's there's some there's some financial element initiated that initiates it 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 that element could be i'm taking over all your debt it may not be cash. It might be right. just well, let me take the liabilities. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or it could be cash. And then there's like a, usually a three year earn out, uh, three year earn out. And so yeah, what, it's, what kind of down payment on cash are we talking just for perspective? Like, what does it, what does it typically look like? Well, if, if the money, if the company's making money, it's yeah, let's go with that. 25 of, of the valuation, you know, Got whatever it. you're buying it for. So, and then the earnout is over three years, and it's based upon agent staying. To be clear, that production stays. Production, is there production? Yeah. So, okay. if production dips, then the valuation goes down. If production okay. increases, the valuation goes up. It's fair for both parties. Got so it. Even the valuation number, it's it's a it's a it's it considers a, a, ben, yeah. a benchmark or a baseline, and then if you crush it. It goes, you know, I think the seller makes more money. If, deal. So they bought Pacific Indian for 80 million, but they crushed it. So I, I'm not sure what the total was, but it was significant. A lot. I, I yeah. More than that. Yeah. That was a, <laughs> the timing was good that. too, because yeah. the market yeah. went skyrocketing. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, they performed, um, you know, and, and uh, you do want to have that incentive uh, yeah. for the companies you buy. You want to, yeah. you want them to go and make it a one plus one equals seven thing. Right. Yeah. How would right. you be mad? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, write those checks gleefully. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it, yeah. it does. The heartache comes when uh, you know when there's the other way. A lot of agents don't, you know, stay. Don't, they don't stay. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, All right, um, we're at the end of the show. Yeah. He's got the last one. This Let's is it. it. So uh, we ask this all the time. I think I know what your answer is going to be, but so this is a layer. Get ready. (laughs) If you were a real estate broker today, what's the one thing you would do or add to your business to make a difference? And it's okay to say (laughs) M&A. I just, uh, I just, no, I'm not going to, I mean, yes, but I I actually, and you know, James knows this. um, I think the most important solve for real estate brokers today is customer loss. Mm. So you have this situation where you know pretty much every customer, ninety-eight percent. I don't know what who this stupid calculus Somewhere is. Somewhere in there, yeah. everybody says they would use their real estate in a future transaction, but only one in five do. Yeah, I, I really, you know, when I think about, you know, it, there's. <laughs> 
there's solve that, so right? much yeah. noise out there about lead funnels and lead generation and you know lead to close and all of this stuff it's like yeah but what about those four customers who already love you mm-hmm. that are going and doing a deal with somebody else because you just left them alone yeah right. you that. orphaned them yeah 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 we had dustin gray on our show so uh mm-hmm. there's a plug back for for uh uh, milestones is doing yeah so. i mean obviously you know you have to grow through a recession um a is a great thing to do that um you know you just you have to stop the bleeding in your business yeah and you know if if there are co-brokes around that are like-minded have good agents similar business structures and attitudes um there's good synergy there then go go hook up with them give them a lifeline if yeah, you're profitable, yeah. give them a lifeline. If you're yeah, not yeah. profitable, well, the two of you can grab the rope together. Right. Mm-hmm. You'll slingshot when we get out of this. Like transaction yeah. volume equals profitability of an office. So it's yeah, and it's, it's not magic. <laughs> and I think we'll we'll leave it with this. I think everybody is in agreement this this downturn isn't gonna last long. We've probably got high side 18 months, somewhere between 12 to 18. This is the time to do this because when real estate starts to pick back up again, these valuations go up. So I, I want to um, just add one thing about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in my world, it's September. Top producing agents have pretty much all capped out by now, mm-hmm. even in a down market. Mm-hmm. So the pain threshold for brokerage between now and spring is going to be at an all-time record high. Yeah. I mean, whatever you think is bad now is going to get worse for yeah. six months. I mean, you, you, I love that you're looking at 18. Yeah. But I'm just like, the next six months are going to be a... It's a great comment. Mm. By the way, next time before you use that comment, would you mind letting us know to get a cocktail in advance? So, I know. Seriously. Who says I don't have one? Well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Victor, it was awesome to have you on the yeah. show. Uh, for listeners and viewers, uh, we have a link in, uh, in, the, in the description to in the notes so that you can uh, check out the book, Acquiring More Profits. Uh, I would also, by the way, I have it and have the worksheets. I would encourage you uh, to get the digital version. Keith likes the paper version, which he has, and I have the digital. Um, The the worksheets are are really awesome. Check it out. And then, uh, Victor, we'll have you back on in the future. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks it. for being I'm, here. It's it's an honor. I I don't get to do. I, I think this is my first podcast ever. So uh, oh, nice. What? Well, that's awesome. Well, we're, to, we're the best. There won't yeah. be anything that will be as good as ours. Well, they might be as good, but they'll be less fun. I, I don't know. Can I, would it podcast uh, whatever? You know, no, you're know, if you do it once, you're a podcast. It's easy. Yeah, easy. No, this has been great. I love I love your show. I love what you guys do. I know. Awesome. You guys work really hard. You're good people, and it was fun. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Victor. It's our job to say out loud what everybody's only thinking to themselves. It's your job to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode.